The story is set here in Clinton County, just outside Lock Haven. Her memoir, Fun Home, features a map of Beach Creek, where Alison Bechtel grew up. You can see the Bald Eagle Creek, the Penn Central Railroad tracks, Route 150, and the Hayes Fearon Cemetery. And the map is to scale. There are four letters, A through D, on the map, explained in a key to the left, identifying, for example, that C is the location of the house where her father and mother raised the family. Also, D, marking the farm where her father was born, and A, the site of his grave. This then could be a map to help us get from one place to another, as with most maps. But more important, it's a map of the life of Alison Bechtel's father. Fun Home is a best-selling graphic memoir issued in 2006. The New York Times Book Review called it a masterpiece about two people who live in the same house but in different worlds and their mysterious debts to each other. About the form, we're told graphic memoir is not just comics with another subject or autobiography in another medium, but rather a distinctive genre with unique possibilities for exploring life stories, life narratives. And that combination of the genre of autobiography with the medium of comics integrates two of the oldest forms of storytelling in human history, pictures and personal narrative, and demands new ways of reading and looking. Reading graphic memoir requires attention to visual design, to the resonance and tension between text and image, to the patterns of autobiography, and to the ways that lives can be mapped. Carolyn Kyler explores the ways that contemporary graphic memoirists use a combination of words and images as purposes and maps, creating complex works that must be navigated as much as read. Kyler contends that graphic memoirs construct maps of life so that readers can see, echoing poet Adrian Rich, the damage that was done in life and the treasures that prevail. Alison Bechtel is the creator of The Secret to Superhuman Strength, Are You My Mother?, a comic drama, Fun Home, a family tragicomic, and Dykes to Watch Out For, a comic strip. She's been the recipient of a Guggenheim Fellowship and a MacArthur Genius Grant. Fun Home, her first graphic novel, was named a 2006 Best Book of the Year by Time and was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award. The Broadway musical adaptation of Fun Home won five Tony Awards, including Best Musical. The Wilkes University English Department will open the Alan Hamilton Dixon Spring Writers Series with author Alison Bechtel on Tuesday, this Tuesday, February 27th at 7 in the Dorothy Dixon Dart Center for the Performing Arts on the campus in Wilkes-Barre. Now, as to maps, WVIA has a number of maps on the walls featuring the TV station's coverage area. Lock Haven and Clinton County are within the boundaries of the region WVIA serves. And other stations from northeastern Pennsylvania served those places as well in the 1960s and 70s when Alison Bechtel was growing up in Beach Creek. We had a chance to speak by phone with Alison Bechtel before her visit this Tuesday to Wilkes 
and we began by asking whether she had any sense of Wilkes-Barre when she was a young one. I was pretty mired in the center part of the state, but we, we certainly got one of our TV stations from Wilkes-Barre. I remember the logo and the profile of the mountain with the antenna on top of it that would always show up. So Wilkes-Barre is deeply imprinted in my brain. That's great. <laughs> you have to help us think about what it, is, what it is that you do. How do you talk about graphic novels and graphic narratives and so forth? Sure. Well, the simple answer is it, it is basically a comic book. I do. I write comics. I tell my stories visually with pictures and speech balloons, just like the comic books we all read as children. But comic books have changed a lot in recent years. Certainly, they've changed a lot even since I started cartooning in the 1980s. You know, it used to be just stuff for kids or fantasy stories, but now people are using comics to tell all kinds of stories. This mostly started, of course, with Art Spiegelman, who told his amazing story of his father surviving the Holocaust in comic book form. And that kind of opened the floodgates for people to tell all sorts of complex adult stories in comics that we used to think of as just a silly kids format. When you were in school, for example, were you someone who would be scribbling in the margins of your books? I certainly was. I was constantly getting uh, not yelled at. My teachers eventually like decided not to bother me because I got okay grades, but I was constantly drawing. My school notebooks are filled with many more drawings than notes. Uh, it's just always been a thing that I do, almost a sort of compulsive thing. I just love to draw. We just did an interview with Bob Eckstein, is a cartoonist, and he wrote a book on snowmen, snow people, and he went over to Europe and found an illustration in a manuscript in The Hague, illuminated manuscript, of a little snowman in the margin. The monks must have oh, been... Oh, wow. <laughs> That's great. You know, I think if I... If I had lived in the days that we had illustrated manuscripts, that that would have been my job, like drawing all those tiny little marginal pictures. Yeah. There was some suggestion in, in the kinds of things I've been reading about your work that the idea of not using color, at least initially, was appealing to you. Yes. Um, I grew up with very artistic parents. My father, in particular, loved color and he was he was very controlling and overbearing about it. He actually would show me how to color in my coloring book when I was a kid. And it just drove me nuts. And I I I think unconsciously I, I sought out an art form that didn't rely on color. Now nowadays many comics are colored because it's easy to do that with digital printing, but in the old days when color had to be done in a very elaborate, tedious way very few people did it so comics were black and white and i i love that for like the first 20 years of my career i just drew black and white comics it was interesting to me too that you went to oberlin and that there was music in your household your brother right and your mom playing and so forth mm -hmm. how does music speak to you you didn't major in music though at oberlin did you no no i didn't i, I was an art major but i always i studied piano as a kid and i i love being in oberlin with all the concerts, you know, there's a conservatory there, and um, I could I could practice in the practice building. We had a thousand pianos. So, yeah, me, my family was pretty musical. Both my parents played piano. My, my brother, John, is a musician, a heavy metal musician. He plays the keyboard. So, yeah, that was a big part of our 
upbringing. I have a chance to talk to a lot of artists and writers, playwrights especially. We always get into talking about whether there can be a musical rhythm in a play or a musical rhythm in a painting, that sort of thing. Are those concepts that figure in the work that you do in comics, the sense of an arc or a a rhythm or thinking in terms of narrative tone, of course, but also tone in terms of shading and stuff like that? Those musical terms apply? You know, not not really. I mean, I certainly do think about tone and shading strictly in in a graphic sense. Um, it, it would be interesting to to apply it more in a musical sense. That's like I never thought of that. Um, but yeah, to to hear like uh, you know a light motif or a, a a theme running through a a chapter. There, you know, there's lots of similarities, I guess. We read a lot about, when reading about your work, not just reading your work, the sense of metaphor and that things can stand for others and that the comic form can lend itself because of the visual and the textual. We can pick up on things and, and notice threads. Yeah. One of the things I love about cartooning is that you're, you're showing stuff, not telling it. I mean, of course, I am telling, too. There are words. But... Um, there's so much that you can convey in a drawing that you don't then have to describe in words, which gives you a lot of freedom. And, and I think it connects with people in a more visceral way when you're, you're just showing them a, a scene or a, a person's expression or gesture. Um, that just goes directly into the bloodstream. You don't have to process it through your language centers the way you would if you were reading a book. There was that conference that you all had it in 2012 with the earlier, yeah. earlier generation. That must have been something else. That was amazing. That was, I would say, quite historic. Yes, this comic scholar, Hillary Chute, got a whole bunch of cartoon artists together, big fancy people like Chris Ware and Linda Barry and R. Crumb and Aileen Kominsky Crumb. All these sort of legendary figures converged, and uh, we all talked about comics together. It was pretty amazing. At, at the University of Chicago, you know, highfalutin place. Did anyone in particular resonate with you? Did what Linda Bowery say reverberate with you with R. Crumb or Allison? Anything particular? Oh, gosh, they all are amazing and so different. But I, I really do love Linda Barry's work, and it's always special to hear her in person because she's just such a, I don't know, just a wacky figure. Just really, really hilarious. She could be a stand-up comic, you know? I was speaking about music before, but we know that Phone Home became a musical. Yeah. Was that as much a surprise to you as it was <laughs> to your readers? Very much. Very much so. I couldn't imagine how someone was going to make a musical out of my book. Um, I mean, it's a very sad book, for one thing. It's a sad story about my father's death. And it's a very quirky story with a lot. It, it moves back and forth in time a lot. Um, I'm a child in some scenes. I'm an adult in some scenes. I just couldn't quite see how that was going to happen, but it turned into an amazing musical. It won five Tony Awards in, in 2015. Did you go back home to when it was being put on? Did I see a newspaper report about that? The local summer stock theater did, did a, a production of Fun Home around that time, and I, I came and visited for that. I think I spoke at that. Um, that was intense because it was the same theater where my mother had 
done summer stock acting, and my, my father had been on the, the board, um, Millbrook Playhouse in Mill Hall. Were you ambivalent about that? Was that too close to home? It was intense. It, it was very close to home, but it also felt like a kind of full circle experience that, I don't know, kind of, I don't know how to explain it. It was like, you know, my parents weren't there, but um, it, it just felt like I was sort of bringing the show to my parents in this weird way. And that felt good. Also, I read a New York Times article about your being back home and going out into the community to a shop and people recognizing you and running back to get their books and have you sign them. That's a lovely thing. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have a, a bit of notoriety in that town. When you were writing the book, did you worry that what you were writing about would be something that wouldn't be accepted? Yes, very much. I mean, it's a story about my own coming out as a lesbian uh, and and also the story of my father's closeted sexuality. And I, I was, I couldn't, you know, it took me a very long time to even imagine writing this book. Uh, I, my father died when I was 20. It was 20 more years before I really decided it was a story I really needed to tell. And in part, I was able to do that because I left the area, you know, Growing up in central Pennsylvania as a as a young queer person in the 70s was not ideal, you know, and for me to really figure myself out, I, I needed to get away from there and to a more urban area where there was more acceptance. So it, having done that, I was then able to, like, start telling the story in a way that I, I don't think I could have if I had stayed there. I think I w- it would have been too difficult. So I, I just didn't think about the repercussions. I decided I'm going to do this. We'll see what happens. And it worked out. It worked out okay. I can imagine the students you'll be talking with at Wilkes will be really interested to ask you about or to hear about that sense of taking a deep breath and forging ahead in telling your story. Yeah, especially stories about their, their families or their you know real people in their lives. That's always very difficult. Have you noticed questions when you're out on college campuses, university campuses, have questions been changing? Um, gosh, that's an interesting question because I've been going out and speaking at schools and colleges for a long time now, almost 40 years. <laughs> so things have changed a lot over that time. And I, it's hard to really characterize how they've changed, except now I get a much broader audience. Like it used to be just the gay kids would come to hear me talk. And now I get you know, a whole swath of a school will come to hear me, and half the kids are reading Fun Home for their English class, which is really interesting. You know, that students are reading this book in their classes. It's, that just never ceases to blow my mind. But you must have been a reader yourself with the James Joyce and the Virginia Woolf and all the references to literature in what you write. Yeah, I read a lot growing up, and Fun Home is very much a book about reading, too, because my, da- my dad, both my parents were English teachers, but I had my father <laughs> for, for my, my English class in 11th grade, and it was a way that I connected with him. Like, he was, you know, both my parents were quite hard to get to, kind of remote and wrapped up in their various things. It was hard to be close to them, but books were a way that we could connect with each other, and so... Fun Home is about some of, some of the books that my father loved and that I read as I was working on the book to try and understand him and connect with him. 
How do you publish now? Well, I I try to stay offline <laughs> as much as possible these days. And my work, I, I used to publish a comic strip in newspapers in the olden days before the internet. Uh, but now I, I, I mostly just publish books. So those are, you know, analog objects that you have to go out and get somewhere. And I just sit at home and work on them for a couple of years and then a book gets made. Acclaimed graphic novelist, Alison Bechtel, native of Clinton County, Beach Creek, near Lockhaven, speaking about her life and work in anticipation of her visit to Wilkes University in Wilkes-Barre this Tuesday, February 27th, at 7 in the evening in the Dart Center for the Performing Arts on the campus in Wilkes-Barre. And it will be a reading and a book signing and it's free and open to the public. Now, they tell us seats are expected to fill quickly, and registration is strongly suggested. So here's what you will need, and it's the website, wilkes.edu slash Dixon, D-I-C-K-S-O-N. And it's the Alan Hamilton Dixon Spring Writers Series. That's why it's wilkes.edu slash Dixon. The Wilkes University English Department opening the Alan Hamilton Dixon Spring Writers Series with Alison Bechtel this Tuesday, February 27th at 7 in the evening in the Dorothy Dixon Dart Center for the Performing Arts on the campus in Wilkes-Barre. And it will be a reading and a book signing, and it is free and open to the public. For more information on the web, wilkes.edu slash Dixon, D-I-C-K. S-O-N.